Hey everyone, it's Maria. And Naran. Hey. And this is In Theory, the podcast where we usually talk about theory that helps us make sense of the world. But today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take a step back and just do a bit of a chat and share some of our experiences and thoughts, namely about formative experiences that we had as teenagers that helped to really make us into who we are. And also super chilling it out, uh, what we imagine a perfect Saturday to be like. So we're super psyched to have you join us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Okay, I always start off by being like, okay, Maria. (laughs) So I was just thinking the other day about how I am who I am. And one question that came to mind was, who are some of the formative people in my life or what were some of the formative experiences growing up that really shaped my values? So I wanted to talk to you about that hopefully today. I'm super excited. Okay, good. (laughs) Awesome. So maybe I'll just like kickstart this stuff. Yeah, go. Okay, so when I was in high school, I joined a group uh, called Face It, which was a I don't want to call it a radical wing, but it was a group associated with the local Girl Scout Council. Radical Girl Scout. (laughs) But hush, hush, that's not a thing. No, no. I am a goddess, a glorious female warrior. I am a goddess, a glorious female warrior. Queen of all that I survey. Queen of all that I survey. Enemies of fairness and equality. Hear my womanly roar. Enemies of fairness and equality, hear my womanly roar. Yeah! Yeah! Congratulations, you are now goddesses. And we we were a group of people who came together around shared values, and we were associated with the Girl Scouts, and we were supported by our local Girl Scout Council, to do this really cool creative mentorship work, which I'll share with you. Like, I'll share some details with you in a second about it. The group had mostly people that didn't come from Girl Scouting. It was like external people that were recruited to join the group, and it was just a program of our council. Mm -hmm. And it went like this. There was a group of high school girls who wrote and developed curriculum on everything from literacy to substance abuse to even like family planning stuff, and wrote curriculum that was age-specific and delivered it to local Girl Scout troops who had troop leaders and moms and other folks who were like exhausted and like wanted a night off from teaching. And so we came in. So you were like the cool substitutes. Yes, exactly. And we like, you know, did all like the deep research and practice delivery and thought of creative ways to workshop ideas and, you know, share these ideas. And it was very values-driven in the sense that we all together had a really strong identity and value system about what was just or what was the right thing to do or what was moral. Wait, can you tell us what what those were? Totally. It was radically open in accepting people who were really different. I obviously grew up in this crazy suburban bubble, not exposed to people of any really different backgrounds. Like I was as different as it gets being a, you know, Muslim hijabi woman, but Mm -hmm. I like met openly gay people for the first time. I like met folks who 
just had radically different personal, financial backgrounds, family histories, different sexual experiences, literally just completely different in every way. And we were all kind of aliens to each other. And that was like so cool. And it was it was a culture of radical acceptance. That's amazing. It was really great. And these were all women who were also high school students? Yes. Except for the entire group was run by local college women. Mm. So like the grown-ups in our midst, most of whom were college women, some of them were recently out of college. There were actually some older women too who were amazing, but they all had the same ethos and vibe. And it was so important to me. I literally learned things as simple as how powerful your words can be. Things that I think people learn now from like online communities and how stuff that people I would have maybe picked up if I if I was like a young person today, like maybe I'd pick it up on the internet. I just wasn't engaged with that world. So I just like mm. learned about how to be a good person from this amazing group of people. That sounds amazing. What's an example of words that are powerful or that you learn to use differently that that you hadn't been using before? This is like super embarrassing, but I said stuff was retarded all the time. And I knew it was kind of like wrong. But then if you have this group of people who radically enforce things and it's completely and deeply unethical to casually use phrases like that, that's so obvious. Like I feel stupid even saying it now. No, are you kidding? We all went through that. Cool internet kids now like know all the right ways to be and like it's so clear to them. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't overstate the uh, the savviness of everyone who has access to an internet connection. So. You're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're totally right. People still read the Drudge Report. So like I just need to calm down. <laughs> People like also don't even bother to read the Drudge Report. The world of cultural critics online, even among like youth cultures, is not as large as we'd like to imagine it is although it's like amazingly big and beautiful and when I was a teenager I would have like died of joy to find this kind of space and in fact I did die of joy in college when I found it right (laughs) but it's true I don't feel like it filters as widely as as it could totally totally okay good so this was like the best thing ever for me everything I engage in in terms of my volunteer time now most of what I engage in is driven by hoping in some way that other people can find community Mm. or camaraderie or openness and safe spaces like that for themselves. And I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't have those people in my life. And gosh, it's really amazing to have a group of people like that who didn't come from my faith community or my family and just to have people who really were different in my life like that. What's an example of something that you taught with these people? Like a session? Yeah, because, I mean, you are being led by the college students. And then you all got together with high school students. And then you went to teach things to or to run workshops with Girl Scouts troops. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you were teaching? Well, really basic stuff about, say, self-esteem and body image and media literacy. And again, like this is pre-Jezebel. Like people weren't taking magazine covers and annotating them and explaining things and thinking deeply about things. I just feel like there was a very baseline of like, look at magazines, things are airbrushed that people, the younger girls that we talked to just like didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And we worked really hard to create a safe space with the girls with whom we engaged. And in the same way, it was a safe space for me. I think it was a safe space for them. And so we had lots of like really tough conversations and conversations that required follow up. And 
it's a real responsibility when you have a conversation where someone's revealing, I don't know, disordered eating or self-harming habits or other things where you have to really treat all of that with the appropriate and respectful follow-up. And I just learned about responsibility for that too, for my peers and for other people. So I had this like deeply impactful personal experience with this group of people that was pretty formative for who I am today. And I'm wondering if you had something like that. Yeah. So like I was involved in lots of different kinds of programs and clubs and that kind of thing. Like you probably like chronic overachiever like you. Uh, (laughs) Overcommitted dork face. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But actually the thing that jumps to mind when you ask that is the group of friends that I had totally outside of that sort of organized structure during the semester that I studied Mm -hmm. in Norway. And that was like this crazy thing Mm -hmm. that I cobbled together because the opportunity arose and the people who ran the school in Bergen in Norway um, were like super chill and basically said, yeah, just come over on a tourist visa. We'll like send your school back the grades. And since I was in the same program, like, don't worry about it. Everything will transfer. And it magically did, which is, in retrospect, amazing. But yeah. Yeah, oh it was super gosh. cool. gosh. Were classes in English? Yes, yes. The okay, school okay. in Bergen was had an international baccalaureate program. Oh. So I get there, and I'm staying with this girl who had been a foreign exchange student at my high school on, like, a totally different, like, much more legit program. Yeah. And she was really cool, but she was a year ahead of me. And so I ended up getting a group of friends that were my year, and one of them basically was, like, living in her parents' apartment in Bergen. And her parents had what seemed to be a pretty amicable split and had, like, since moved on to other partnerships and we're living in other apartments. <laughs> and so she would like go to their places, but then she would also be at her place. And so I would come and stay with her. So for a lot of the time, I basically lived with another 16 year old in central Bergen. <laughs> and this was like my first time in my like wakeful life that I had was outside of America, that I was certainly ever spending time in Europe. And I was like totally given tons of freedom, living with a super amazing woman, and had this super cool group of female friends. Of the group, there were two who were straight up Norwegian, one who was half Norwegian, half American, one who was Swedish, and me, who's American. Yeah. And we just became this dynamic group of five, and we'd go out, and we'd club, and we'd stay up all night smoking cigarettes and drinking (laughs) coffee and talking, and just listening to country music and hanging out of the windows. It was just ridiculous. Um, and it was kind of like a TV show because there were never any parents around and they never seemed bothered. <laughs> Wait, how did you like actually not go off the rails though? How was this not your lifelong drug use and I don't know what? Like, how did you learn how to draw the line? Well, I think it made me realize how maybe conservative I am yeah. anyway. And so one of the things that was so formative <laughs> about it was that it like loosened me up a lot. I was always such a good yeah. little girl and wanting to achieve. What was so amazing about it was yeah. the amount of freedom that we were given helped me to see that there's a yeah. line that you can walk where you can decide that you're going to take salsa dancing from a Chilean oil rigger in his apartment with your friends. And as long as you have enough of you that it seems like nothing's going to go down, probably nothing's going to go down. Yeah. All that went down is I learned how to salsa. 
So, (laughs) (laughs) super fun. We also were like desperately poor, which was hilarious. Poor in the sense yeah. of we blew all of our money at the beginning of the week on like coffee and booze. But then the rest of the week we were like trying to scrape together to make just yeah. to go to the grocery <laughs> store and to for the first time on your own say like what do I want to eat? Yeah. And then look at how much money you have and look what's in the store. And then on top of it, doing it in another language, I mean very poorly in my case. It just made me realize that I could go somewhere where I didn't know anyone, basically. And build my own group of friends and people would like me and I could have a life. And I had been such a shy, I don't know, I wasn't super shy, but I was known as a nice girl before. And what, like, if anyone had asked, like, oh, do you know Maria Ceceri? They're like, oh, yeah, she's so sweet. Like, now, I don't think a lot of people, their go to for me would be sweet. No, they'd say she's the best and she's outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I prefer but at the time it was yeah. just like so important to me that people like like me yeah. and to be able to go somewhere totally different and to just do my own thing and cut loose a little bit and hang out with these very smart traveled worldly but also extremely genuine kind people it made me realize wow the world's full of amazingness I can trust myself in situations of total freedom and I can trust that you know as long as you keep your head on your shoulders the people around you in general are going to be awesome And they were. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. What a great lesson to learn at 16. Oh my God. I have this one, this one memory in my mind. So also it was Norway and like Scandinavia just, I just can't get over Scandinavia. So we had, (laughs) we had this field trip, my like third week we were there where my Mm -hmm. entire year went to this cabin in the woods, way up in a valley in the mountains that Mm. the school owned. And we were there, like, presumably to do science projects. And I think we did some form of science. But mostly we, like, stayed in this amazing hostel. We, like, cooked and did our own food. And we just roamed around. And there was no curfew. No one, like, followed us. I remember me and my new friends, we climbed up a glacier. And then we all, like, got into our underwear and, like, jumped into a glacial stream. (laughs) (laughs) We all got a cold. And I remember one night, me and this one woman she was a bit older maybe like 18 19 and this guy from my class the three of us went out and like lay on the side of the mountain on this rock it was maybe 11 o'clock at night when we went out there and we lay there looking up at the sky and it was in a valley so we're completely ringed by mountains and we lay there for so many hours after a while it felt like I was looking down into a bowl full of stars and it was shooting star after shooting star it must have been three in the morning when we went back and we just talked about life and our experiences and where we came from what we believed in and like nobody bothered us nobody freaked out when we got back at three it was just this incredible freeing sense that you can just be on the side of the mountain with a boy gasp and an older person gasp and just talk and people from different cultures. And it was just very, very charmed introduction to the world. That's amazing. How different than like helicopter moms and liability and Oh my God, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. With eight. Teenagers in their underwear in a mountain stream. Mm. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Formative. Formative, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Well, yeah, it's great. I just also feel like I learned a lot about you. That's all. (laughs) Like what an enormous nerd I was. Oh my gosh, but weren't we both? me by standing under the night sky 
Okay, Naran. Let's let's do something a little bit different here. Okay. We spend so much time thinking about big questions and theory. So why don't we let our brains relax and tell me what you would do on your perfect Saturday? Oh, I already know. I'm there. Okay, okay ready? Mm-hmm. This is not going to be elaborate. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you how simple it is for me. I would, in a dream world, sleep in till about 2 (laughs) p.m. Nice. I would then lie in bed and call friends (laughs) to catch up. Like, people I haven't talked to in a while. I'd call my mom. i just call up people. And this used to be... Uh Now a lot of my friends actually live in New York. And so... This is less applicable, but there are still people in my life who I like, need to call up. Mm-hmm. And I just have like a deeply satisfying no end or start time conversation on the phone with a couple of friends, mm, which is good. great. Friends, including my mama. Uh-oh. And then I would hang up and I would maybe watch an episode <laughs> of something while being on my phone and ordering some Seamless for dinner. I would get out of bed <laughs> for dinner because Sibyl is not into me eating in bed. Okay. And I would have a great heavy dinner <laughs> mm, what would you order probably chinese Yum. or pizza What's, do you have a go-to chinese yeah it's called lychee nut it's amazing and my friend vidya who lives near me and lived in hong kong for many years recommended it and now i'm like crazy about lychee nut it's so <laughs> it will destroy you you will eat there and never get out of bed again why did you tell me this because next it's time so i'm in good. new york <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to order it next time you're here. Uh, like, for yes. sure, sure. Yes. Um, so, like, lychee nut is my jam. And it's, like, one of those things where, like, you'll order, like, tofu, but there's, like, no actual vegetables in the tofu dish. So you have to order. Mm-hmm. You have to order many dishes because no one dish is going to give you the combination that you need nutritionally to survive. <laughs> it's, like, just the top of the food pyramid. It honestly <laughs> is. It's so good. And then I'll go back to bed and watch nine hours of television until, like, mm. 3 a.m. Yes. And the thing about Sibila is, like, he has, like, a limit to how much TV he can watch. I have no limit. <laughs> Whatever natural thing that should be in my brain that switches and is, like, alert, you're going to turn into, like, the blobs from Wally, isn't activated for me. It's, like, not a part of my core being. And so I could just watch a couple more hours and then go back to bed. And that is literally my perfect Saturday. And I don't think that speaks very highly of my real intellectual abilities or... No, I think it speaks but, very oh. highly... I just need to sleep. I want to rest. I want to eat. And I want to fortify my mind and myself with the values of television, scripted dramas. <laughs> I would like to invoke a very wise woman that I met in Oxford. Jenny Whalen once yes. told me. She's Australian and Love her. amazing. She once told me that our minds are our tools. And in the same way that a basketball player would be, like, ensuring their legs or a piano player would be ensuring their hands, we have to be thinking about our brains in that way. And <laughs> so you have to have troughs in order to have peaks, and you have to have rest in order to have times of killing it. And so don't feel bad when you just need to let it go for a little while. And I have, tried to, I have tried to live that. That's beautiful. Too much sometimes. <laughs> no, artfully put. I want times of killing it. And the way I get there is times of TV. Veg. So I love it. Vegging. Yes. It feels so good. So amazing. How about you? Tell me about a perfect Saturday afternoon. Or Saturday. Fully. Yeah. Mine is so like embarrassingly bougie. I hope you'll still Say be it. friends with Oh my me. God. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, because you know I live in the country in like a cute little town upstate. So... 
for me, like now I naturally wake up early-ish. So yeah. on a Saturday, let's say I wake up at like 8.30, so I give myself a little extra sleep time. And then, <laughs> I know, don't, don't, I know. Um, <laughs> and then Gabe and I get up, and our favorite thing to do on a weekend is walk to the diner. There's yeah. this historic diner. It's like 1927 old-time, like, train car diner. I think it's like one of the oldest in the state, maybe the oldest in the country. One of the oldest in the country. It's like super adorable. Yeah. And we go there and you just get like piles of classic, greasy, delicious diner food for nothing. (laughs) I usually will order like savory and sweet because I can't choose. So I basically just have two breakfasts at the same time. Good for you. I know. You don't feel forced into a corner (laughs) to make that decision because I don't make it either. And I think it's like actually fundamentally unfair. Yeah, and it's just too much to ask. And also those, like, combination things where you get, like, a waffle and, like, eggs but no toast or hash browns. I'm like, that's bogus. So what am I supposed to do? Put an egg on my waffle? It's no, crazy. it's, like, unethical. Exactly. Yeah. Not acceptable. So so then we, like, make ourselves sick there. And then we walk back home so we feel a little bit less crazy. And then, yeah, we, like, do some garden work, hang out, catch up with some family on the phone, and then friends come over and we chill out in the backyard and grill and have some drinks and then at the end of the day, make some love and go to sleep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like a full, complete life you have there. It's like basically a country song, which maybe <laughs> is why I love it. It's <laughs> so great. It's very inspiring. It's like you said, right? Like what's so perfect about it is it's not this like big ambitious day where we're traveling the world or yeah. achieving maximally. It's just like loving the good things. And I love Live so pleasantly Live this life of luxury Blazing on a sunny not a reaction to anything you just said but you made me get into my head the thought of diner food mm. and i think like mozzarella sticks are truly some of the most beautiful things that can come out of a diner i need to hear more about this well i love mozzarella sticks broadly you obviously can never get them at home mm. in the way that you can get them at a restaurant because yeah. i personally don't have a deep fryer who makes them i don't know who makes I don't I don't know. I don't know how they happen. And you, and now you can't like, you basically can't have mozzarella sticks like grandma made because grandma was not making that. No, like <laughs> wedges of cheese. No, it's not. I love that they've become mainstream. Mm, like lots yes. of good and bad things become mainstream over time. Mm-hmm. But mozzarella sticks I think are a societal win for taste and maybe a societal loss for heart healthiness, for sure. I feel that way about jalapeno poppers also. Oh, so good. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if you remember this, but one time we were in your town really Oh, I remember this. Okay, and we like really desperately wanted food, but everything was closed at night, so we went to a gas station. Yes, And we we bought jalapeno poppers from the gas station. Frozen jalapeno (laughs) poppers from the gas station, and also like a wild, dizzying array of other frozen and prepackaged goods from this gas station. And it was We bought everything they had. It was amazing. It was a beautiful (laughs) night. Uh, Loving what you got. Loving what you got. Thank you. You make it work. Honestly, it's lemonade from lemons. (laughs) Boom. Questions, comments, ideas, we'd love to hear from you at intheorypodcast at gmail.com. 
You can find past podcast episodes and more info about us at intheory.us or on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and recommend us to any and all of your friends and leave us a review. In Theory is produced with the support of Experimental Humanities and Human Rights Radio at Bard College. Many, many thanks to our intern, Olive Carol Hawk. Music composition and art design by the delightful Aaron Taylor Waldman. Thanks for listening.